In this episode, I talk about why you should have an enemy and a heartwarming story to get you into your week. Let's go! Alright guys, welcome back to the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tom Alamo. They call me Tommy Tahoe. You can find me at that handle on Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Hit me up on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever. Um, find out more about what we're doing at Millennial Momentum at millennialmomentum.net. Um, this is a millennial personal development podcast, right? So um, I think in order to get to the next level in life, you need three things, right? You need a positive attitude, you need a, a relentless work ethic, and you need a little momentum which is forward motion with energy, right? That spark that gets things in motion, that gets things going. Um, I'm not an expert. I don't know everything. I hardly know anything, um, but I'm on a journey for uh, that personal development, and I'm glad you're here with me, and I'm, I'm bringing along some you know, really special people to help all of us with that journey. So thank you for listening. Um, make sure to hit subscribe and review on iTunes if you're listening. Um, otherwise, let's just get straight into uh, today's show. So... Um, you know, one thing I've been thinking about um, a lot, and I just want to give an update to everyone on, on some of the things that are going on, um, but have you ever just spread yourself too thin, right? You you sign up for about six too many things all at once, and you're trying to, you know, cram to get everything in the schedule. I mean, that's, personally, that's how I felt the, really the last, um, I don't know, seven months uh, throughout the whole year, but really within the last probably two months, um, some of you know I've I've taken on a new uh, role at my company this year, my first time ever in management. Which, um, if anyone has done that before, knows the the time commitment and the the um, you know the mental and emotional energy that that uh, you know takes a toll on you. At the same point, I've signed up for a um, a Spartan Ultra race, which is thirty miles, sixty obstacles up a ski mountain in Aspen, Colorado with my good buddy Ryan Warner. So um, that's actually coming in uh, 13 days from today. So it's it's about two weeks away and it's scaring the shit out of me. Um, meanwhile, I'm in the middle of this this course, The Artist's Way. Uh, it's, a, it's a great book by Julia Cameron. It was um, recommended by a lot of people that I follow um, about really um, helping to express your creativity and kind of unblock yourself as a creative. So if anyone's interested in, you know, any form of art, really, um, writing, drawing, podcasting, music, whatever it may be, I think that book's phenomenal. Um, but it's pretty extensive in terms of what she's asking you to do on a day to day. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, there's, there's family obligations, there's, uh, relationship obligations. Um, there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for all the opportunities and all the things I've, I've bitten off, but that's where I've been at. So if you feel a little bit overwhelmed, um, I'm right there with you in that camp. And, um, you know, we're pushing and, and, and we want to, you know, everyone's trying to get a little bit better. That's why you're listening to the podcast. So uh, that's what's going on on my end. We're going to have a lot of updates for um, the Spartan race once it happens, you know, pre, pre-race the day before, post-race the day after, podcast, big write-up, everything like that. Similar with the Artist Way course, which will be done in about three weeks. Uh, funny how that all is, you know, happening at the same time. Uh, a breakdown of what I've learned, a breakdown of, of what I've been doing. I've been kind of keeping it behind closed curtains for now. Um, but 
I want to get into you know a topic today that I've been thinking about, right? And it's it's about having an enemy, right? Um, and people say you know keep your friends close and and keep your enemies closer, right? And there's a lot of talk around today about you're not comparing yourself to others. I think that's super valid. You're not going on Instagram 22 times a day and seeing The Rock deadlift 9,000 pounds or seeing, you know, that model looking beautiful on the beach and photoshopped and, you know, the the guy that's, you know, 19 years old and he's on a private jet and he's swimming in cash. Like those are the types of things that they don't help your psyche at all. Um, But having an enemy... I think does. I'll tell it to you in a story. So in high school, um, the kitchen was the centerpiece of our home, right? That's where people gathered. You know, we had a meal. We had some advice. We had some good laughs. That's where people hung out, right? You know, it's, and, and the key piece to any kitchen, in my opinion, is the fridge, right? It's massive. You got all the food in there. Um, you can hang stuff up on there with the magnets. It's it's a great place to be. Um, and so back in the day when I'm in high school, um, I decided to put a newspaper newspaper clipping up on our fridge, on our bare fridge. And um, it wasn't the type of clipping you might expect. You know, it's like, you know, the Red Sox won the World Series or, you know, here's this upcoming town fair that we want to go to. Or, you know, if I was on the honor roll or something like that, which I probably wasn't, um, it was a picture of um, a blonde haired boy hitting a forehand volley on a tennis court. And um, this guy was my enemy. His name was Bjorn. Um, and the whole premise of the article was comparing him to Bjorn Borg, which, uh, if you're any sort of familiar with tennis, he is, uh, largely considered probably one of the top three tennis players of all time, top three or top five, uh, which is quite the comparison for a 16 year old kid, right? Uh, it's a bit ludicrous. So, um, if you know me at all, you, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, can be a sick in the head competitor. I remember one day coming back from school and I was bragging to my sister and my mom saying that my friend was calling me the most competitive person he's ever met, which was clearly an insult. Um, but I took that as a badge of pride and, um, but probably for the people that are close to me, that, that is not a surprising story at all to hear. Um, but you know, Bjorn was, was kind of the guy, right? He was, um, you know, not maybe as good as Bjorn Borg, but he had a lot going for him. He was an athletic dude. He came from a wealthy family, a good-looking guy. Girls seemed to like him. Uh, he was pretty cool, which is not necessarily easy to do as a guy named Bjorn living in a Massachusetts suburb. But um, I, I fucking hated him, right? I, I wanted to be him. I wanted to take him down. Um, let's not mince words here. I At that point in my life, I hated this kid. And, um, you know, it's no offense to him, but... He didn't do anything wrong, but I needed that. I needed that figure to go after, to tear down. Um, and so when I saw him on the cover of the sports section that day, uh, comparing him to one of the greatest tennis players of all time, I snipped him right on out and I put him on our fridge. Um, and it sat there for months and months and months. And um, friends would come over and kind of call me a weirdo. And family friends would come over and be, you know, ask what the deal is about this blonde boy. I'm pretty sure. You know, my mom thought I was an absolute nut, and um, I didn't really care. Um, but every morning and every evening, I'd see his face, and it would fire me up, and it would make me think, and I'd visualize that season ahead, and it'd make me work a little bit harder that day, um, and it'd pump me up, and it kept me going, and that was what I used for fuel. Um, 
and I'm not the only one that's ever used this tactic by any means. We we our company Tech Target had a um, a speaker in a couple weeks ago, Harry Dixon. Um, he came in and spoke to our sales cl- sales team. And if you're not familiar, Harry Dixon helped take EMC, the technology company, from six hundred million dollar company to about nine billion dollars in this 15 year stretch. So that's a one thousand five hundred percent increase in revenue. Um, and he was leading the sales charge. So he's an absolute savage. Um, and he was bringing us back to his first days, uh, you know, 30 years ago when he was starting at the company, fresh out of college, got rejected everywhere else he applied to. And he's looking around and he's talking about this group of salespeople and he's saying in his head, like, I'm going to crush that guy and that guy. And that guy's pretty good, but I'm going to crush him too. I'm going to crush that guy. And that was what he thought. And I didn't get the chance to ask him if he, you know, took pictures of those guys and put them on his fridge. But that's not necessarily the point. Um, the point is that he had those nemeses that he was going after, and it, they drove him to be better, right? And if you listen to uh, the story I had with Bill Cartwright, you know, about a year ago, and Bill Cart- Cartwright played with Michael Jordan, they won five NBA titles together. And when the Bulls were in their heyday, they had to use pseudonyms in the hotel because. They couldn't let um, word get out that they're staying at the hotel. Shit would get too wild. So everyone had this, you know, this name that they would use that was not their real name. Michael Jordan used Leroy Smith every single time. Leroy Smith was the guy that, if you've heard the popular story that Michael Jordan was cut from his high school team, Leroy Smith was his friend that got the last spot instead of Jordan. So 20 years later... That grown man is still upset that he did not make that high school team. That is still fueling him. When he was by far the best basketball player of his time and probably of all time, he was still using that high school thing to fire him up. Right? You have famous musicians and rap and rock and roll that choose an authority figure or an institution or a tough breakup, and they use that as fuel. Right? Harry Dixon used that sales class he had. Man, I had Bjorn at the time, and I've been doing that time and time again through my sales career, through what I'm doing with podcasts, and through a lot of different points in life, right? So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying not to be disrespectful. I'm not saying to be fearful of people. I'm not saying to be an asshole to people, but I'm saying know who those enemies are, right? And it could be your competitor. It could be the salesperson that's sitting next to you. It could be that famous writer that you emulate that you want to be better than. It could be a lot of things. It could be that guy or girl that, you know, just posting that workout pic that you want to have as, you know, good of a figure as they have or better. It could be a person that's wealthy and, hey, I want to make more money than them. Whatever it may be. It could be your former self that you want to be better than because you just want to be better than who you used to be. But you got to have their, got to have them in front of you every day. You see their face. You see their name. You see their status. So you can surpass them. You can dominate them. And, um, you know, I played Bjorn three times that year. I won two of the three and was helped to propel, uh, helped to propel me into being, um, you know, higher, higher ranked on the conference MVP list than him. Right. And that shit worked. And I guarantee if I had that, if I did not have that picture of him in my kitchen, I would have been afraid of him. I would not have done as well. It would not have fueled me to work as hard as I did. So that's a little tip for you folks, um, on the art of, having that enemy, having that nemesis, right? So think about it, write it down, um, and use that as fuel. Um, one other thing I want to talk about is, um, 
what I've been reading, or rather what I've been listening to, and I would highly recommend checking out David Goggins' audiobook, Can't Hurt Me. Um, for the people out there that are probably, if you're listening to this, you probably know who David Goggins is. Um, you know, he's a, a former Navy SEAL that's now an endurance racer, and he's an absolute maniac. But if you've heard some of his great interviews with Joe Rogan or Rich Roll or uh, Impact Theory or you know a few of the other ones that he's been on, um, the book goes so much deeper. And it goes so deep into um, the adversity that he's faced, which helps to put things in perspective for you. It goes deeper into you know his the weight loss journey that he had before he could make it into the military. He gets deep into the three different hell weeks that he went through in the same calendar year. Sheesh. Uh, the struggles that he got you know into when he started with endurance racing and you know taking souls and using mental toughness and just becoming harder on a daily basis. And for me, it's helped me to push a little bit harder. To hear stories like that gets me fired up because it's, you know, I know that somewhere out there, um, whenever it is, whenever I wake up and I don't want to go for that run or I don't want to put this podcast out or I don't want to write or I don't want to, you know, ask for that extra sale or get in the office 30 minutes earlier, I know Goggins is getting after it. And I know a lot of people that I've had on as guests here are getting after it in their own special way. And so reinforcing that, seeing those things in front of you, Right, Just as important as it is to see that enemy in front of you, I think it's important to see and hear things that are going to inspire you in other ways. You know, People that you love, people that are going to fire you up and listen to them. That's why I listen to podcasts. That's why I read books. I read every single day. That's why I follow and I trim out on Instagram or on Twitter. I trim out the people that have you know negative bullshit and are talking about Trump all the time. And I put in the people that are talking about hard work. Or they're putting in, you know, thoughtful quotes, or they're writing impactful stories that mean something. The feed, it's 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 the five people that you become, the five people you surround yourself with. But it's more than just five people, and it's more than just physically surrounding. It's it's who you're surrounding yourself with, a media perspective, and who you're following on social channels, and who you're talking to, and who you're reading, and who you're listening to, and the music you're listening to. Are you listening to sad shit? Are you getting yourself fired up in the morning? One to, you know, make an impact in the world. Make some money. Be outgoing. Whatever it is. Help you get there. Be in a good mood. Got to use that. Everything can be used as fuel. Everything can be used as fuel to, to, to further progress yourself. So, that's what's been on my mind. Surrounding yourself with the right people. Surrounding yourself with the right ideas. Using those different triggers. Whether it's positive or a little bit negative. Having that enemy, getting you fired up that way, getting you through that tough push. And I want to close it out with um, one of the best uh, stories that I've read on the internet probably all year. Um, I put it in the newsletter a couple weeks ago, which you can find on the website, millenniummomentum.net. But I'm just going to read it. It's going to take a few minutes. It's a good way to depart. It's going to make you feel good. Um from the Albert Bridge Capital blog. It's called Stay in the Game. This is going to be an uncharacteristic departure for me. This story is deeply personal for our family, for our oldest son in particular. But it is a story he's letting me tell because it is a story he wants people to hear. 
My son Max was born in Detroit in 1997. He spent the next summer in Hong Kong when I was interning at Fidelity Investments and moved to London before he was two when I accepted an offer to work for Fidelity there full time. He was an amazing child and became an amazing young man, but he had his demons. And just before he turned 16 years old, those demons arrived with a vengeance. I will spare you the details, but for the next three years, he went through a personal hell. Imagine all the things you don't want to happen to your teenager. They happened to him. For three years, my wife and I would wait on our front stoop until 5 a.m. in the shadow of the Albert Bridge, hoping that he would come home. On those nights that he didn't, he would, we would call the hospitals and call the police, and sometimes the police would call us. We tried all the things that parents try, and we were very lucky that we could afford to try just about everything, but none of it helped. The change in schools didn't help. The psychologist didn't help. The wilderness therapy didn't help. Our closest friends and extended family all waited in too, but nothing helped. Max didn't want to be here. He didn't feel a sense of belonging anywhere. His self-esteem was non-existent. The anxiety was paralyzing. He often contemplated ending it all, and only the thought of the impact of his three younger siblings prevented him from doing so. It was a living hell for Max. And honestly, it was a living hell for us too. There was nothing we could do about it. The most difficult thing for my wife and I to accept was that Max could make his choices. It wasn't up to us. We couldn't save him. It was up to him if he was going to live or going to die. As one of my best friends told me at the time, only Max could choose to live. Just over two years ago, he realized that the scene in London was poisonous for him, and he asked if he could head out. He'd asked before, and we'd let him go for the far-flung destinations, but the grass wasn't greener than any of them. And we didn't honestly expect anything to come of it this time, but told him that we'd pay for the flight because he really did need to get out of London and there was no easy way, and there was no way things could get worse. He chose a destination a lot of rudderless kids like to visit. It might as well have been Goa, Tulum, Koh Tao, or Maui, but he chose Costa Rica. A friend of his, a good guy, was backpacking there and invited him to come. I told Max we'd cover the first week, but if he wanted to stay longer, he had to get a job and support himself. We honestly didn't know what to expect, but it felt like a last shot for him. He loved that first week there and indeed got a job working at one of the hostels in exchange for room and board. But after the honeymoon was over, reality set in. His anxiety set in. His depression set in. At the darkest point, he almost called it. There was nothing we could do about it. Even if we weren't 5,000 miles away, there was nothing we could do about it. But for some reason, he decided not to. Max decided to stay in the game. We later learned the reason. He'd found an eight-week-old puppy roaming the streets of Santa Teresa. The dog had been abused, was eating scraps from trash heaps, and was terrified of people. But Max and the dog, which he named Chica, connected with each other. Max and Chica became inseparable. Max, who by then was 19 years old, started to realize he had something to offer. Chica needed help, and Max was there to provide it. Max started doing adult things like earning and saving money so that he could take Chica to the vet for checkups and vaccinations. And Chica started getting healthy. And Max started getting healthy. I could hear it in his voice when he would call, there's an excitement about life and the future that I hadn't heard since he was 14 years old. He was starting to get his groove back. On one of those phone calls, he said to me, Dad, I think I'm ready to leave Costa Rica. Then he continued, while I miss you guys, I don't think I should come back to London. I want to go some, somewhere where I won't be tempted by my old habits where I can feel at home and restart everything, somewhere like Georgia or Indiana. 
He said Georgia or Indiana because he was vaguely familiar with both. I grew up in Indiana and then moved to Atlanta where I lived for several years and ultimately met my wife's mom, my wife, Max's mom. I told him that either Georgia or Indiana would be a wonderful idea and that there were great people in both places. I mentioned that I would be comfortable knowing that my old buddies in Atlanta would be around just in case he needed a backstop and that in Indiana, he'd of course have his grandparents and uncle there for support as well. So he chose Indianapolis. My wife and our other kids flew over to get him settled in a new apartment downtown and they got to meet Chica. Before we knew it, Max was working a full-time job, not doing any of the bad stuff he used to do. He still had his demons and things were by no means perfect yet, but he could work through the anxiety and work through the depression because he had responsibilities now. He had Chica. On his own in Costa Rica, Max figured out how to get Chica into the U.S. and convinced someone at American Airlines to let her fly in his lap because they wouldn't let fly dogs. They wouldn't let dogs fly in the hole due to the heat. Thereafter, he and Chica settled into an apartment near the White River Canal. Each of them began their new life together. Max had saved Chica. Chica had saved Max. One afternoon, three months later, while Max was walking Chica, she saw something she hadn't seen in Costa Rica. It was a squirrel. Before Max could stop her, Chica chased that squirrel out into Indiana Avenue, right in front of a speeding car. The car ran over Chica. My son screamed. In that brief moment, everything that Max had worked for, everything that he had overcome, everything that he was living for, was gone. But the blow did not kill the dog. The driver that hit her sped off and left Chica half dead and crying in the road. But the next car did stop. It was a young black kid. A young black kid who saw a young white kid on his knees in the middle of downtown Indianapolis. His name was Kenny. He opened the door, got out of his car, walked up to my son and said, Hey, I got you. He then walked Max out to the middle of Indiana Avenue and they picked up a bloody Chica and loaded her into Kenny's car. Turns out that Kenny had just moved to Indiana and had grown up down in Georgia. He'd been traveling around a bit and had recently lost his job up north. He subsequently found an offer for a temporary position down in Indianapolis and had just started working there. He was apprenticing at his new stop and was hoping to make a, be made a full-time employee. Kenny was just 21. But none of that mattered to Kenny at that moment. What mattered to Kenny was Chica and my son Max. So Kenny looked up a vet clinic on his phone and took Max and Chica there. The vet said that without surgery, Chica would die, but the vet wasn't a surgeon and they needed to go somewhere else. Luckily, Kenny had stayed. Kenny was there by Max's side like a big brother, and this wonderful young man then took Max and Chica to another vet, one that could do the surgery. The vet did the surgery. It worked. Chica lived. Her pelvis was broken, but over the next six months, Max nursed her back to health. Without Kenny, none of this would have happened. Kenny even stayed in touch with Max afterward. He would text, see how Chica was doing, and how Max was doing. This last Thanksgiving, about one year since the incident, Kenny even got some tickets to go see the Colts play and asked Max if they would like if he would like to come and took him out to dinner afterward. Max is doing great now. He's been working full-time, got super healthy, started running marathons, is now on the good path. These were his choices. They had to be, and he did it. But it almost didn't turn out that way. Kenny made sure he stayed on the path. This guy, Kenny, I want to reach out and give him the biggest hug he ever got. I want to tell him he's special. I want to thank him for saving Chica's life. I want to thank him for saving my son's. Oh, and as a follow-up, we got news about Kenny this past week. 
it's some really good news. Kenny not only got the job offer, but he got a nice long contract along with it. Kenny Moore from Valdosta, Georgia, just signed a contract with the Indianapolis Colts to be the highest paid slot cornerback in the NFL in a deal that is going to pay him at least $30 million over the next four years. Good things happen to good people. Kenny stayed in the game too. And um, I don't even know how to really comment on that. Um, But when I first read that article a few weeks ago, um, I was at my dad's kitchen table visiting him, and um, I just said, holy shit, towards the end. And um, I had goosebumps just telling the story. And I don't know Max, and I don't know Kenny, although I have reached out to Kenny if anyone has a connection to him, uh, to come on the show, I'd, I'd love to talk to him about that story and about his career. Um, but that just gives you some hope or it gives me some hope when you see the negative headlines every day, you see people acting rudely, you see people with a lot of hate going around. Um, there's good people out there. And if you do good things, Good things happen to you, and I'm a firm believer in that, and pretty much everyone I associate with is a firm believer of that, and if you're not, I don't really associate with you. So I don't have much else to say. There's nothing else I can really add to that story. I thought it was heartwarming, thought it was beautiful, wanted to share it with you all. Hopefully it inspires you to do something nice for someone else today. Hopefully I've inspired you earlier in the show to... Surround yourself with ideas and people and thoughts and podcasts and videos and pictures and whatever that inspires you to do better, that inspires you to push you a little bit harder, push a little bit further, do a little bit better, better for yourself, better for the people around you, better for the random stranger on the street. And with that, that's all I got for today. If you found any value, all I ask is please share it out, head to iTunes, you give a a quick subscribe, five-star review. It takes about two minutes. Follow me on my social channels. Tweet at me. Instagram at me. Let me know what you thought of the show. It's a little bit different this week. Always trying to try new things for you folks. That's all I got. Have a great week. Peace.